politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hey guys, I don't know if I told you this, but I just announced I'm running for mayor of Bucksnort, Pennsylvania. That doesn't really sound right. I know, you know, it's Bucksnort, Tennessee. Adam, if you're going to like <laughs> lie, you should have, where did you announce this? On, on my Twitter. There it is. Okay. <laughs> so it is fully sourced. Um, uh, not made up at all, Adam? I think it sort of sounds like misinformation. You got me. But this, on a much bigger scale, is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and with somebody who has a unique perspective to talk about misinformation. Someone that you might not really expect, at least not at first. And with that, welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, cyber running for mayor in a town that nobody may have heard of before, but it's really a great place. I'm Bo Cyber, actual pretty big fan of Bucksnort, Tennessee. And I'm Travis, cyber looking up where Bucksnort is on a map. And today we're joined by a very special guest. He's an hilarious stand-up comedian, stars alongside John Hamm and Confess Fletch, which you can see now on Paramount Plus, and a correspondent for The Daily Show. Please welcome Roy Wood Jr. Roy, we are so happy to have you on the show. Yes. You were kind enough to have me on your show, and you're one of the funniest humans that I know. You are one of the funniest men we I know. have to be at least like top three or four, right? Give or take. In my mom's house. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Where are you coming to us from? I'm in New York. What was formerly my COVID podcast bunker, as you can see <laughs> from... They can't see it, but you can see it right now from the falling soundproof tiles that I have not even bothered to put back on the wall yet because I just hope to be moving into the nice and new Comedy Central Daily Show podcast room. They finally completed here. So, yeah, New York is where I, where I am right now. I if we'd have done this two days later, I'd have been in Alabama. Take the boy down there, give him some grandma FaceTime. Every guy needs his grandma. <laughs> yes. Most people think of you as working in comedy, but you got your start in journalism school. My father was a civil rights journalist, you know, they international for the most part, covering riots in Soweto and Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, Vietnam, he was embedded, which, you know, like pretty much wherever like, like black people were going through something stressful, he just showed up with a tape recorder. And I have two other former um, news anchors in my family two brothers that also were in this. And 
I don't know. Like that's that's what I always have loved. Stand up to a degree is a form of journalism. So it was kind of easy to kind of dabble between the two. I ended up in radio though. I didn't do TV. Um, I ended up in radio because I figured out real quick in college that radio was the most flexible of the of the genres. You know, mm-hmm. with print, you have to show up somewhere, then go home and write the story. And with the news, you have to be present every day at the station and it's hurry up and shut up. They don't give you a lot of time because they have five more news packages to roll in. But radio, I really enjoyed, you know, and I did that concurrently with stand-up for almost 12 years. This is really interesting to me because it, it seems like your stand-up is a form of journalism, or at least they're closely connected. Well, what is journalism but reporting on something, giving information? True. Right. Yeah. A journalist is a person who goes and gathers information and figures out a way to disseminate back to other people. In comedy, you are either reporting on the world or you're reporting on yourself. And to me... There's only two jokes. There's only two good jokes. Who are you as a person or how do you feel about something? And the superstar jokes do both. Right. If two people are equally funny, the one that leaves you thinking or remembering or feeling something is the one that's going to stick with you. Think of like the people I see on the news who do what's essentially a form of editorial which is kind of a cousin of comedy. And then I think, so that means that Tucker Carlson is a comedian. And I can just think of him as a clown now. This is going to sound silly to say, but I hope it makes sense. The loss of the respect of the craft of journalism is because we have, over the past couple of decades, presented pundits as journalists. Uh, opinions exactly. are presented as facts. Bingo. Yep. The yep. simplest way, the simplest thing they could have done in journalism to change all of that is to not let pundits wear suits. Bang. Oh my gosh. It would have been you just you dressed look like this. Like the person who gives me the official stuff. Therefore, right. I will accept. The human mind is very simplistic in that way. Like, I'm not calling people watching news dumb, but I'm saying that there would have been a better. We would have had a better ability to delineate opinion from fact had we done that. You know who does that really well to a degree is sports. It didn't, it didn't start like that. But if you notice, like even the athletes that turn into announcers, their suits are a little schnazzier, just a little different, just a little, little, just to let you know, I'm not a journalist, baby. I'm suave. Look at my nice little <laughs> pip. Like, it's like on an aircraft carrier. On an aircraft carrier, and I didn't serve. I learned this because I watched about aircraft carriers with my six-year-old. On an aircraft carrier, everybody on the deck has a different color shirt. And your shirt, does that's what you do. You do the thing that this color shirt says you do. So when we got into debate culture, like, but this would have had to start years ago. Like this, I'm talking Crossfire, Wolf Blitzer, season one of PTI on ESPN. That's when debate culture first started, which was good for ratings. And it was a way to extend the news day because in those days, the news cycle was still 24 to 48 hours. If there's no breaking news, then you fill the clock with people analyzing the news that already broke. Fine. Put them in a yellow T-shirt. So we know 
that this is opinion hour. If you say put them in a yellow shirt, you got your yellow journalism, which was how uh, also you could say is historically related to this. You know, but it's like it's like when you watch when you watch Vice News and you see the way the journalists on Vice News dress with the TV on mute. You already know the tone of the story and the type of story that this is going to be. They're not in a suit. They probably got on a cargo vest, some weird shorts, and they're whispering a little bit and constantly looking over their shoulder while they talk to you. It is a distinct uniform for a specific type of journalism. Apply that across the board to everything and give the pundits a, and also give them a visor because no one believes anything a person in a visor says. <laughs> if you're a pundit, you should have to wear a visor. You look stupid. <laughs> Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't, like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes dot com. Sticking with the Navy theme, I think we're drifting a little off course. I mean, this is a show about scams. True, true, true. You want to talk about scams, man. If you make people feel something, you can control them. And so if I know what makes you scared or I know what makes you angry, got you. Bang. And so... Yeah, I'm going to put out a couple of articles that create some Facebook engagement. I'm going to make a little money off of this. And in exchange for that, um, your country's going to be torn apart. I do think that, you know, this is this is liberal and Republican side to me that we do deal with a lot of outside entities that are able to influence not necessarily the election, but the electorate. And 
if you have people all in a fever about one thing, it's easy to create 10, 15,000 bots that continue to stir the pot on that thing. Whereas what happened to all the critical race theory stories and articles? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were coming to take the slave. We were putting too much slavery in the books. And people ran on that. And now that is still on, it's still an issue in a lot of places, but it's not part of a national conversation anymore. And that's because pundits tend to control what is being discussed. And I think that's the other thing. When we talk about fake news and we talk about opinion-based journalism, is that that to a degree can also influence what people, what news directors decide to cover. Yeah, in terms 100%. of the factual news, what I hate is that you know we have people now who are just going to deny whatever they don't want to change or fight for. I think we we're dealing in a degree of denial. A lot of people are just living in denial. Should there not be history in the books? Okay, well then close museums too. Like how how wild <laughs> do you want to get here? If we're gonna, you know what I mean? Like that entertaining idiocracy helps to continue to breed idiocracy. But that's, that's ratings. And I think the larger conversation that we keep having, we love to have this conversation about what responsibility does the media have, but it's because we still view the media as noble. It's still a corporate-run entity. Corporations run on money. So what's going to bring the clicks? What's going to bring the views? What's going to sell the newspapers? And it's not going to be fair and balanced and honest journalism regularly. So we got to add a little sauce up in there. You know, I still feel that print is the last bastion of morality within journalism. But print is stripped down because of money. Yeah, there's only so many long-form stories also that can be told in a mag, you know, there's only so many magazines that are doing it and then there's only so many that can come out uh, and the budget's not there because the budget's for the other, for the junk, junk food. What's interesting is that oftentimes you'll see now a story and then a little thing under it'll say two minutes for the short stuff. I read stuff on Medium and Medium's like, hey man, it's just going to be four minutes. Stick with me now. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Have you seen something online you thought was real and you said, wow? I did. Yeah. The, the moon landing, the moon landing, that, that got me. <laughs> I don't know if this counts because this is since Elon's blue check $8 Twitter fiasco. But there was an account that was just posting crazy tweets. But it was to show you how quickly misinformation could spread. Mm-hmm. And it was like. Everything your favorite celeb shouldn't do, they were tweeting that that was real. And I would find myself two or three clicks into the replies before I realized, oh, that's not real. Oh, that's not real. Okay. Taylor Swift is not album with Kanye. That's not real. I thought that was real. And there have been days where I'm for sure quick to retweet something that has immediately been debunked by someone mm-hmm, else. Right. So, you know, I'm very, I'm very slow on that. Well, that's something we say on the show fairly often, which is go slow. Yeah. And by go slow in this instance, it actually just means when you get that phishing email or, or SMS, uh, or whatever you get, that's not entirely correct or right, or, uh, is a little fishy. 
you need to slow down so you don't fall for a scam. Right. Sometimes the quicker you move, the more easy it is to make a mistake. Or as like we like to say, if you move quick, up your ass will be a stick. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that one, but I've never said that before. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Moving right along. Yes. Um, I got to give Trevor Noah a lot of credit on that one, though, because at The Daily Show, my social media patterns before I got to The Daily Show was very, oh, now I got to be first. Got to hurry up. Got to say something immediately. Got to have an opinion. Where The Daily Show, at least under Trevor, it's let's wait a day. Let's see how this unfolds. There are surely more facts. And then sure enough, you would have stepped had you not waited a day or waited a few hours to see how the story really plays out and what the true public sentiment is. And so this idea of being first ain't always funniest. So I think that's kind of where I've settled into now. So I don't screw up as much. For the most part, I stay off of Facebook because it is just people yelling at each other. Yeah. You could post anything and people are going to, uh, I posted a clip. It's literally a 60 second clip. It's a snippet, a segment Jordan Klepper and I did on police anti-bias training. Over the past year, cops have faced increasing scrutiny based on their actions against minorities. To get to the bottom of this, The Daily Show sent not one, but two correspondents to go deep. Super deep. So we decided to sit down with some cops to see why they're racist under attack. Tonight on. There's gonna be a graphic right here. No graphic. No graphic? Oh, let's do it. And I encourage anyone listening to go on my Facebook page and just look at the comment war that is happening under that clip. And then there's also but but then oddly enough, same clip on Instagram, and it's a different feel. You know, I, I think it's also very interesting how each individual social media site, how they peddle misinformation or indoctrinating people in different ways into certain behaviors and ideologies. So TikTok, the word is that TikTok's algorithm for, for younger adults, like let's say 13 to 25, is much more educational based overseas where American algorithm is goofy, dumb, visual junk food. So it's not even used as a tool for enrichment. It's being used as a tool to essentially commoditize, you know, eyeballs so that, you know, people can make a little bit more money off of them. Yeah, and I've heard that too, but it's really hard to say for sure because their algorithm is really closely guarded. Well, let's just, let's just pull the camera back a little bit and look at this because, uh, you know, what occurs to me when you say that is, TikTok is owned by a country by a, a, a comp it's owned by a company that's in a country that hates the United States, Correct. and in the the this and the sentiment is mutual for the most part when it comes to politics and and the way money moves around the planet right now, and it would make a lot of sense if I was trying to weaken a country uh, to send a lot of junk food to them. Correct. And that's what, what it feels like. It feels like that. Does. Yeah. We do it too. So it's. I saw a Krispy Kreme in Kuwait and I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> no, but a Krispy Kreme for me is like, if I have to die, like, that's not a bad way to go. But, um, but the, I like a Krispy Kreme myself. But, <laughs> it's but, good, good to know. Good but, to know. But TikTok <laughs> does seem, TikTok does seem to be just like a, you know, a howitzer shooting crispy, visual Krispy Kremes at our, uh, the kids of America right now. And it, and it yeah. cannot be good. 
there are sites that take down protest videos. Yeah. Domestically mm -hmm. and internationally. How dare you use this site as a place of gathering and inspiration and for actual real change, you know? Imagine. So when you talk about manipulating the electorate, it's things like that. You can hide certain truths. And I think that's where the misinformation really is. There's a short game and there's a long game to it. Okay. It used to be Loch Ness Monster, but you only saw that in the weird magazine by the grocery store register. But now the Loch Ness Monster article is essentially right next to something about Biden and Kamala Harris in the same paper. <laughs> That's essentially what the internet is. The internet is all the newspapers <laughs> just rolled into one. Absolutely. And your news feed becomes that. And you click Loch Ness Monster, and then it goes, cool, I know what type of shit you're into, so I'm going to feed you Bigfoot. And then I'm going to feed you Boogeyman. And then I'm going to, like, so it's that, but it's not, it's not necessarily literally something as off in the weeds as the Loch Ness Monster. It is they're coming to take your guns or this food can't hurt you, or, you know, things like that. And I think that's the stuff where you're able to just nibble away at people bit by bit. I think that I think that Instagram, to a degree, plays a huge part in body dysmorphia. It plays a yeah, huge totally. part in depression, which plays a huge part in just the general state of your society. Completely. But it's clicks and it's money. We, we can't, we just, at, at no point, at no point can we ever expect morality from any of these places. Like, not full, you can get some of it. That's what sucks about, like, the thing that's so frustrating about The Daily Show sometimes as a correspondent is that there's stories I really want to cover, but it's so horrible, there's no joke. And I'm beholden by the joke, which is the gift to help people understand things, but it is also the thing that sometimes limits you because there's certain things you just can't explore. Right? One question I have for you actually is where the Daily Show fits into all this um, in terms of your uh, work on it, but also what it, what is its role in relation to uh, news and the media? I think that the Daily Show's job, or at least the responsibility I think the Daily Show was always taking on is ignore all of that, listen to this. Here's mm. what is exactly happening. Now, what you choose to do with that one way or the other is, up, you know, that's on the viewer. But I don't think that The Daily Show has ever tried to overly be, we're going to fix all of this and we're going to call out every channel and tell every channel they're doing it wrong. It's just, okay, here are the topics that we think are most important. I think the responsibility that Trevor has had to shoulder under his time is how much more, and this is, to me, this is more because of social media, just how much more connected we are globally as a country. Sure. And we have a responsibility to speak to those things that are going on globally to make sure that people domestically know what's happening or what could happen over here. Like when you look at Egypt back in, I think, 2014, 2015, when you look at what's happening now in Iran with your jobs, and it's like this idea that The Daily Show is no longer just a show about American politics, but I think just global politics, if not mm -hmm. in whole, for sure in part.
So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You are a person who has my favorite trait. Of all the traits a person can have, curiosity. You have curiosity by the boatload. And, and I think that that's usually just something that's born, you're born with. But did you, did you, do you feel that way? Did you get it in journalism training? Like how, how and how important is curiosity right now to maybe fixing the problems we're talking about? I think we have to have a curiosity because that's where new solutions can come from. You know, for me, my curiosities about the world go back to my days of being put on punishment as a child. So if I, you know, if I, you know, acted out of, you know, if I was cutting up in school or smarting off at the mouth at home, my mom would take my video games. Also, could not go outside. So I could just sit in my, I get home at 3.30, not in the bed till 8, and I have nothing to do and nowhere to go. So I would just. That, that's prison for a kid. Literally, prison. literally yeah. prison. And like prison, what did I do? I read. I had uh, my mother ordered the whole Encyclopedia Britannica. Kids, back in the day, you had to order the internet to your home. And they that's sent right. it in a bunch of boxes. They did. <laughs> I would read every encyclopedia page, page by page. I read every single letter, every volume, every special world book, everything about the world. I just sat and I just read. So anytime I was on punishment, that was encyclopedia week. And I just became more curious about other things and worlds and animals. And, you know, you read one article and go, well, if you like wolves, go read about foxes. And you read foxes, well, go read about ferrets how do you instill that curiosity without locking a kid in their bedroom how yeah. do you get that to be part of the culture <laughs> um i think it's about what you discover and what you find inside of the curiosity you know what really is frustrating now is you know we're still making television but you have to make television with the internet like that cop clip that i just referred to earlier with being jordan klepper the version on youtube is 15 minutes because it was a two-part feel piece but on tiktok it's 60 seconds and you kind of get the mm. point yeah <laughs> yep. you get the point it's like four million yep. views like 
you know, like that type of thing. I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's definitely with our show, I think it's important to also show things that you may not thought about, things that you didn't know were happening. And I think that helps to create some degree of curiosity with people, but you have to reward the journey. You have to reward people when they're watching something for 20, 30 minutes, you know, half the time. I mean, for God's sake, the algorithm now dictates that you put on the front of the video what the video is about. Forget writing it in the description. It's got to be on screen in under five words. What is this about that I'm about to watch? Or should my thumb continue to scroll? Well, it's, it's almost like we have to find a way, as, as you said, to make curiosity a reward as opposed to a prison sentence for young yeah. people. Yeah, I think it's definitely a situation where we have to make sure that people know that their patience will be rewarded. And I think that's the thing we run into on the internet is that most stuff on the internet is trash. Most people making content should not be making content. It's terrible, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's also the gold rush. Curiosity is actually if, if it's exercised regularly, it's regularly rewarded. You have to, as an individual, you have to feel that ultimately you are improving yourself. Yeah, but you also feel, have to feel like you're part of the community, Adam. And that's the part where like, what's, what TikTok does more than anything is it isolates the shit out of people so that they're alone and they're having that experience alone. But when I learn something, I wanna share it with you, Adam. I'm like, you wouldn't believe this thing. That's where I get joy is like, it's not just like, having my own curiosity rewarded it's being able to share that reward right it's the sharing that's active transmitting it that is also a part of journalism old school journalism you did all this work reporting used to be the part where you find stuff out it wasn't when you spoke it was when you were actually reporting an article meant you researched it and then the reward was telling the story yeah so roy when when you run across stories how do you double check them so that you feel comfortable that what you're talking about is the real deal. We have we have fact checkers within the show. The fact checker, Adam Chodakoff, who's been, I think, longer than John, if not neck and neck. I think Chodakoff comes from the Craig Kilborn administration, if not right after. So he's good about the X's and O's of stuff. For me, the bigger issue when I'm looking at a story is how deep into the rabbit hole do I want to go? Mm -hmm. What tips would you give to people as to how do they avoid misinformation? Verify the story in two or three different places. Click a link, cool. Go just run a search for that same story and see what else you find. I think if you're not finding anything reputable in terms of actual sources, actual journalistic outlets, even if you don't agree with them, they are official. Also a real dead giveaway for some BS stories. It's just the amount of pop-up ads and advertisements above and below the fold of the store. Like, as soon as you scroll down, there's another ad for another thing or that sneaker you looked at four weeks ago and they're still giving you that pop-up. Like, that stuff is a dead giveaway that you're on a money site that's just fishing for clicks. You know, like, that's, to me, those are like the visual aesthetic, you know, and the presentation of the story. I wish I could find some of the stuff that my aunt sent me from time to time. I'm like, four out of five, she's right. But there's always one. I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't know. Another yeah. dead giveaway is when a story is just 
too perfectly aligned with what I already think. With no counterpoints in, in the article anyway. Right. You're just reading punditry. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do hate that guy. What else about him? Tell me more. <laughs> sort yeah. of. Yeah, it's, oh, Hunter Biden smote crack. Did you know Hunter Biden also went down to Columbia and, and worked in the poppy seed fields to make the heroin that is really... No, he also has a pizza parlor where they uh, pimp out all kinds of people from the basement, not just kids. Correct. Oh, yeah. Correct. And they they drink blood in the basement of that pizza parlor, too, don't they, as a matter of fact? Absolutely. Well, it's it's just like the whole concept of scams, is that if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So if it aligns too much with where you're at, it's probably a scam. Correct. What do they teach you in journalism school, Roy? Like, what do they teach you about that? Like, is the the truth isn't usually such a... Uh, a a straight shot. Well, you got to remember, I graduated 01, so the truth was still reserved. The weird truths were in the U.S. World News or National Enquirer. So yep. the stories that we're talking about, this misinformation was still extremely segregated from mainstream media. Even on television, most of the debate culture shows that we see now didn't exist. There wasn't a plethora of panel shows, MSNBCs and people in right. four boxes all yelling at each other that didn't exist in 96 97 you know i am from a time where i remember when headline news literally just did the news every 30 minutes and it was the same stories and then every couple of hours they would slot out one story and put in a fresh story and you just watch yeah. the news <laughs> for 30 minutes and now it's nancy grace or whoever is on now like it's, oh. it's, it's, I mean, you say to yourself, sure, yeah. Walter Cronkite, Huntley and Brinkley, um, Dan all Rather, gone. you know. That. All gone. All gone. All gone. Yeah. John Oliver had a really good, had a really good episode about Sinclair Media. The stories, like the general wire stories that they force all of their outlets to carry. That's a whole separate conversation. We talk about misinformation and we're just talking about, not necessarily misinformation, but for sure, manipulation for yeah. people. You know, affecting ideologies in particular areas, especially if you're a company that can help people elect an official to influence people to elect an official that passes laws that benefits your company. Yeah. Yep. And you can pay a lobbyist to make that happen. Yes. Yes. You don't even have to pay them a lot. I was looking at some of the prices for these lobbyists. I'm like, I might buy me a lobbyist. I, I don't have 50,000, but I can find it under a rock. I'm like, really? That's all you took from them to pass that law, you prick? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. We should just timeshare on these. You know, just do some timeshare lobbyists. <laughs> One of the things on our show is we talk a lot about scams and hacks, but it's really a show about being informed being curious and inquisitive. And I think you've showcased today, Roy, just how important it is to ask questions. And whether you're writing jokes, reading the news, fake or not, or trying to avoid a scam, if you have a critical eye or a critical mind, this is the key to moving forward safely in this world. Get as much information as you can before you open your mouth about it to somebody else. Absolutely. So again, we, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to hang out with us today. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's time for the tinfoil swan. Our paranoid takeaway to keep you safe online. This week, we're going to talk about how 
We know what we know. Misinformation is everywhere. It really is. And the problem is pretty common. I think a lot of people hear misinformation and are like, huh, that's so 2016. But it was a major driver in the 2022 midterm elections. Sure was. And the National Intelligence Council says it was Russia, again, trying to make voters nervous about mail-in ballots, among other things. The scum. What can we do? <laughs> the first thing that springs to my mind is not getting your news exclusively from social media. That's not to say but, any. But Travis, there are a lot of reporters on Twitter and Facebook. There are, but there are more garbage accounts that look like news. And then at least on Twitter, you have the Musk effect. But you heard the news, right? I mean, Elon says, gold check for companies, gray check for government, blue for individuals. I'm not holding my breath to see if that works. But we do know how social media works when it comes to the news. Algorithms know what you're likely to click, and they don't look for a check mark. Clicks are clicks to Zuck and Musk. Exactly. Clicks are their shtick. Okay, okay. So what should people do instead? Go to the source if you don't want remorse. Hey, that's my line. Yeah, it is. So you check to see if a story is popping up on more than one news site, too. And pay attention to the difference between spin and fact. And don't assume Google Alerts is only featuring legit news sources. The bottom line is, unfortunately, instant gratification is the enemy of an informed public. If you keep seeing stories you agree with and the news makes you feel like there ought to be a law against everything you care about on an emotional level, you're probably in a misinformation bubble. If being informed is effortless, you are probably uninformed. Or you're a genius. Yep. And that's our tinfoil swan. Hey, you know, it really does help people find the show if you rate and review it. So wherever you go to get your podcasts, hit the five stars and, um, and say something nice. Thanks. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Steven. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.